Hey everybody, Chase Nobles here, founder over at Kush.com. I've got an exciting guest, Justin Allen from Lumen Extracts here today. Does all kinds of extraction, works with farmers as well, and uh, uh, does a fair amount of remediation, which I'm super curious about. I'm looking at their storefront here, beautiful branding, beautiful photos, and uh, really excited to have them on the platform. Welcome to the show, Justin. Thanks, Chase. Pleasure to be here. Well, I want to come out of the gate just straightforward when it comes to THC remediation and the new regulations and the new analysis made by the DEA, how do you manage that legal gray area and what is the process for staying in compliance? Yeah, good question. A lot of this stuff is uh, super on the forefront of everybody's minds right now. There's been a lot of CBD isolate getting pushed into Delta 8, which some of that halted with the DEA regulations. Some folks are still going for it, uh, but it has scared a few people away. Luckily, we have uh, fine folks like the Hemp Industries Association pushing lawsuits towards our government, making sure that farmers, labs, industry professionals are being taken care of and being advocated for. And the 2018 Farm Bill you know, made it pretty clear what the THC requirements were for this plant. Uh, basically, the flower in the field needs to test below 0.3%. And anytime it goes over that level, it's no longer considered hemp. Some states have struggled really hard to make sure that their farmers can stay compliant up to harvest. We've had a lot of really quality hemp breeding over the past few years from companies like High Grade Hemp out of Colorado and Oregon CBD in our home state, making sure that farmers have access to quality feminized genetics, which don't push the THC levels too high up, while still giving farmers access to high qualities of quantities of CBD in their biomass coming out of the field. That being said, even when the biomass coming out of the field is compliant and below that 0.3 threshold, once you do the extraction into a crude oil, you effectively concentrate every compound in the plant, you know, 6x to 8x. So if you had a 10% CBD biomass in the field, you're going to be looking at a 60% CBD crude oil. And if your THC even was 0.2% well under compliance, once it gets concentrated into oil, you're going to be looking at 1.2% plus. And so now we're getting into this realm where the DEA considers it no longer hemp, it's marijuana because it's above that 0.3%. And as long as that product stays in your home state where you grew it, uh, this isn't an issue. But the moment you try to move it across state lines, now you're trafficking a controlled substance. And that's where we get into this first and foremost need for THC remediation. Uh, where if farmers and labs would like to move their crude oil to a buyer in another state who wants to further refine it into a higher value product, such as a distillate or an isolate, uh, they've got to find some way to get that THC down. So one of the ways that that's done is through diluting it. You know, if the, uh, if the seller of the oil knows exactly the end formulation that that hemp product is going into, such as like a lotion or a salve or a tincture, then they can dilute it to their customer specifications say at a one to 30 ratio in a carrier oil and get it down to levels that are compliant with the DEA regulations. Such as like coconut oil, right? I've heard of people using coconut right. oil or any kind of oil, but maybe even ethanol as well. Although that gets a little yeah. bit more dangerous to ship unless it's really well packaged. But um, what else yeah. have you heard being used to, to dilute, to, you know, get it under that threshold? Uh, MCT oil is a big uh, popular one. It's, as you mentioned, it's a MCT is just a fractionated, uh, fatty acid from the coconut oil. So it's just, uh, most coconut oil is solid at room temperature, 
But that particular triglyceride, the MCT oil is uh, a group of triglycerides that's usually emulsified into a blend and it stays liquid at room temperature. It's really got a neutral taste even compared with regular coconut oil. So it's a, it's a first choice for most people doing dilutions. Uh, but that being said, a lot of folks are putting this into an end product, such as like a vaporizer cartridge, or, uh, and they just want to put it into an end baked good raw. They don't want it necessarily emulsified. And so those buyers need to find a way to gain access to that oil, get it across state lines and get it in their hands. And that's where THC remediation comes in. So, you know, what we do here at Lumen Extracts, what we specialize in is solventless THC remediation. Uh, the primary way that THC removal has been done historically is through chromatography, where basically you've got a column that's filled with a stationary phase or a certain media. The most common choice is C18 silica. And that compound just has an affinity for cannabinoids in general, but particularly THC. It has to do with the, uh, the, the polarity and the size of the molecules. And we... Uh, would dilute the hemp oil into a solvent, usually methanol and acetonitrile, and then flush Some pretty that. pretty dangerous, dangerous substances, right? Methanol, right. have too much of that in your moonshine, you'll go blind, right? Yeah, or, exactly. Uh, you don't even want to get that on your skin. So um, exactly. has that been an issue? Because it, it probably should just burn off, right, if you heat it up. Yeah, so most of the folks that are doing THC remediation through chromatography are really above board about making sure they're putting their final product under vacuum oven and making sure that it's getting all the residual solvents out. Um, that being said, the media that you flush the THC rich hemp through is really costly and it can only really work with a distillate because if, you, if you've got a crude hemp oil that's got THC in it still from the field at that 1.5% average, uh, there's a lot of other plant compounds still in that crude oil, chlorophylls, beta carotenes, some fats and waxes, even if it's been winterized well. And that chromatography media gets clogged up really quickly with yeah, all those other plant compounds. it's going to get super messy, right? Just, I right. mean, if you've ever looked at crude and you imagine trying to just kind of pour that through something, it's like, yeah, there's a lot of other plant material in there. That's right. That's right. So the first choice for chromatography extractors is distillate. And a lot of folks who do chromatography won't even work with crude oil just because it increases their costs so much, their media burns up faster. And what that ultimately means is that uh, the tea-free product is relegated specifically to that distillate side. And there's a lot of product manufacturers that uh, love working with distillate. It's got a, a lower uh, aroma and taste profile than crude oil. On the other hand, a lot of folks want to formulate with the broadest range of cannabinoids they can. And as most of us know, that full spectrum oil out of the field is the closest thing you can get to all those plant compounds intact. So finding a way to get that broad expression of cannabinoids that's present in the plant at that crude extraction level without the THC is something that we've made a goal here and we're able to achieve with our solventless remediation platform. And when you say solventless, you're not using any solvents to um, kind of strip the cannabinoids out, right? And so right. what kind of medium are you using? Yeah, great question. So we've got a team of chemists here, one of which is a PhD. They've been working for a long time on developing various methods to eradicate that THC. We've worked with removal. We've worked with uh, various other types of like chemical conversion using 
like non, uh, non-hazardous substances. But uh, what we've landed on is just a gentle conversion of that THC into CBD and other minor cannabinoids. And so, oh, wow. So, so what, and what's the, what's, the, what's the yield afterwards if you're converting? Say, say you start out with, I don't know, maybe, yeah, a, you know, let's go like a more round number, 50% crude oil, right? Mm-hmm. And it's got, you know, like you were saying, let's say it has 1% THC in it. What, sure. What, what do you come out with? Because you're not getting it down to distillate, right? Which usually kind of further condenses. But what, what comes out the back end of your, your process here? Yeah, good question. So uh, what we would see in an oil uh, that meets your description, 50% CBD, 1% THC, is we would see an oil that would end with, say, 0.05 to 0.06% THC. That's what we in- internally like to target. Um, and the reason for that is that most of our clients, uh, they're looking to go all the way to distillate with their uh, tea-free hemp oil. So we want to make sure that if they're starting at 0.05% in crude oil, that once they distill that, we're assuming they're going to see about a 65% yield from that crude oil going to distillate. You're going to lose some mass in that, in that process. And so Further we want to make sure con- that- Concentrating those cannabinoids, right? Exactly. So we want to make sure that the THC is never exceeding 0.1% in that ending distillate. And that way on most third-party lab analyses, they'll still be able to achieve a non-detect or below LOQ. And uh, to answer the yield question, we see a 99% retention of mass in our process. So if you give us 99%. Yeah, the mass retention is incredibly efficient. So if you give us 100 kilos of crude oil, you're going to get 99 kilos of crude oil back. And what we see at the trade-off is a little bit of reduction in your CBD. So in this process of converting THC to CBN, we are actually losing, and I shouldn't say losing, it's actually a, a conversion process as well with the CBD. So our CBD is converting into a combination of other minor cannabinoids and then other phenolic plant compounds. So on that ending COA, if your crude oil started at 50% CBD, you might see it go down to 45%. But in terms of mass, you're staying right where you were roughly. And some of your miners are increasing. What all does CBD convert into in that process? You're saying um, that it does it, what, what, yeah, what all cannabinoids are possible from CBD itself? Yeah, so what we've noticed on the before and after COAs of remediating well over 1,500 kilos of crude oil at this point uh, is an elevation in particular of CBC and CBN. Uh, We see a very minor reduction in CBG and CBC, and any THCV that's in the product is retained as well. Those are the most common miners that we're seeing out of Oregon hemp right now, and I think that we're on the horizon going to see a lot more as the hemp breeding continues to develop. But uh, with our process, most of the CBD is converting into other non-cannabinoid phenolic compounds. We see a little bit into CBDL, which is a not very often studied cannabinoid. Never even heard of it, to be honest with you. And right. I'm, I'm in the space, you know, all day, every day. I don't even think it's an option on Kush to list CBDL. No. Right, right. And uh, of all the cannabinoids we've discovered that are in the cannabis and hemp plants, it's like well over 85 now uh, that we know are unique to cannabis alone. Uh, only 12 to 15 of those have really reliable reference standards from the companies that uh, issue uh, these baseline 
you know, chemically isolated standards for people who are doing HPLC testing. So we do in-house HPLC testing on all of our products when they come in throughout the whole remediation process and at the end. And then we also send out to third-party lab uh, for before and after samples as well to corroborate our internal results. But using that HPLC every step of the way with our process allows us to make sure that we're not overshooting our mark and uh, eradicating more THC than we need to for the client, but that we're not undershooting it either. Now, say you have a crude oil that has a much higher THC content, Delta 9 sure. THC. Uh, let's put it in the maybe 3 to 5% range. Sure. Right? Can you still convert that same amount of THC and remediate a product that's you know, that hot in that scenario? Absolutely. Yeah, we've, we've worked with some crude oils. I think the, the highest we've seen is about 2.9%. Uh, and that was a 67% uh, CBD potency crude oil. Uh, the ending COA on that particular oil was about 56% CBD. So we saw like an 11% reduction in the CBD content on the final COA. That being said, that same crude oil, we took it all the way to distillate and it still produced an 82% CBD distillate. And so that THC was eradicated down to that 0 0.05 Delta 9 mark that we shoot for internally. And we were still able to achieve a non-detect all the way through distillation. So our final... Uh, distillation result was a non-detect with an LOQ of 0.1. Wow. It's so nice to hear how, how well you can articulate the process here because there's oh, so thanks. many people that have been kind of pigeonholed into sitting on products that may or may not be compliant with no idea on what to do. So when it comes to the business of somebody needing a remediation service like that, how do you value the service and all the proprietary tech and all of the, the process and the HPL, HPLC testing, how do, you, how, do you, how do you value that while also making it affordable to you know, a farmer that may have just gotten their crude oil told processed, which mm -hmm. as we both know, was a very, very common trend in the space this year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, we've been watching the Oregon farmers. Uh, my business partner, Bree and I have been uh, born and raised in Oregon and we've been watching the hemp movement and been a part of it since 2007 everything from medical cannabis through the recreational and into hemp when the pilot programs launched in 2014. And uh, we're just, we've been farmers ourselves. We've grown many hemp crops, uh, started many extraction labs. And so we're definitely passionate about helping farmers meet, reach their product goals. And for far too long, there's been hugely elevated margins on the processing lab side. And uh, that's made it really hard for farmers to make any kind of margins from the field. And uh, the that's numbers- a, That's that exactly why I asked, Justin. You know, I, I hate to do it, but I have to put people a little bit in the hot seat because there are some shadier practices in the space sure. that sure. you and I are both aware of. And Oregon is kind of, a, kind of a hot spot for some of those because the industry has been around for so long and there is um, uh, some residual black market culture in the industry. Um, so how, how, how are you helping get that price a little lower, more affordable for these, for these farmers that are genuinely in a tough place? Yeah. So when we started doing this, uh, when we started uh, choosing our technology and figuring out how we wanted to offer this service to farmers, uh, we were, we had previously been working with chromatography processes and we were struggling as a lab to get our prices down below $350 an input kilo for distillate to make sure that the farmers could still make some money, but that we were covering our overhead. And the 
primary reason for that was because of our huge media costs, because that's the biggest cost with chromatography is making sure that you're using good quality media, that you're not losing a ton of cannabinoids in the process of remediating that THC. And it was really difficult to find a way to offer it for less than that to the farmers. And that's what set us out on this journey to look for something that not only could get away from using solvents and offer a pathway even for organic hemp farmers to certify their tea-free oils organic as well. Uh, we saw a lot of farmers certifying their crop, finding a crude oil extractor who used organic ethanol to keep that organic certification intact. But then now we're at chromatography where we're using things like methanol that are never going to qualify for organic certification. And now all that hard work that went into that farmer making sure that their crude oil could be certified organic, now they realize their buyer is in Tennessee and in order to get it across state lines, they need to get the THC out. Maybe something they didn't even plan on doing. Maybe they never wanted to remediate their crop, but now their buyer is out of state and they realize they need to. And so uh, we've worked really hard to get our prices down. We're offering our remediation at 150 an input liter. And then we can also do uh, distillation on that product as well. So for uh, $25 an input kilo, we can take it all the way to tea-free distillate for the farmer. So $25 extra. That's right. So 175 total, you can take somebody's crude, remediate it, and get it into distillate. Correct. Wow. That might and be the, some of the cheapest service I've heard of. And so that was the way that, uh, that's the best way that we've found that we can eliminate those media costs and get the cost down for everybody in the industry and, uh, you know, get away from chromatography as much as we all can. And so this is a pretty big leap, in my opinion. And when it comes to the technological leaps in this space, whether it's THC remediation or, or just initial crude extraction processing, things like that, with the price drop last year, how much of that do you think was driven by uh, more efficient production and cost of goods sold? And how much do you think that was driven by the market? I think it was almost entirely driven by the market. I think that uh, the one side of the market we haven't seen a ton of flex on is the retail side. Right. I'm still I'm still watching uh, you know CBD oils being sold in tincture form for forty to sixty dollars a bottle. I still I've still seen it out there for seventy five or eighty. I, I can't imagine that they're those companies that are marking it up that much are still successful. But when you're seeing bulk oil prices such as eight or nine hundred dollars for a kilo of tea free distillate. And we know that that's, that kilo is making a thousand uh, tincture bottles for the consumer at a thousand milligrams per bottle. Nobody's got any business selling it for 40 or $50. I mean, that's on the retail side, you'd expect a 20% margin and that's fair. And, and that's something that the consumer doesn't mind uh, compensating the retailer for to get a good quality product in their hands. But the farmer and the processing labs aren't seeing that. And maybe that's a bit of a trade-off from you know, 2018 when the farmers and processing labs were seeing huge 80%, 100% margins on their products, but we're just not there anymore. And I think that retail has got to uh, make some moves downward too to get more CBD oil in the hands of the consumers, make it easier for people to buy CBD oil in this time of economic uncertainty. And the more of that demand that we can get going, the more movement we'll see from all this biomass into crude oil, into tea-free products and so on. Uh, yeah, I, I think 20% markup might be a little bit of a stretch at the retail level, just because, you know, you look at recreational cannabis and you're talking, you know, 100% markup. Oh, or, yeah. Or 200% markup. And so that is kind of ingrained. And, and the prices, you know, from a consumer standpoint, 
it would sell a lot more if it was more affordable, right? But there's kind of this standard of here's what the markup is in this space. So sure. it'll be interesting to see that to see that play out over the next couple of years as as things get more and more competitive. It, ideally, the market forces are behind us, and right. uh, you know, kind of the great filtering that happened last year, you know, is hopefully happened, and 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 then the technological advances will help increase the efficiency and the production cost and and all of the inputs. So it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens and and. It, you know this ideally slower price drop versus last year when mm-hmm. you know Oregon's wildly guilty of it of way overgrowing last year and right um it was hard to judge like you know there were a lot of people that grew really low quality products not ju- just out of Oregon but just in general in the space last year so it was like that just kind of crashed the market especially when you saw the uh, uh splits deals right where yeah the cost right. of goods sold for an extraction company was you know the cost of running the machine and the ethanol or whatever, you know, right. whatever solvent they were using. So um, it's exciting to be able to see that you can remediate so well, as far as lumen, lumen extracts go, what all product categories are you selling? I'm seeing tea free distillate up here on kush.com right now, but in addition to THC remediation, what all are you selling and, and what's the business model? How for the people listening, how could they potentially work with lumen extracts? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. So we, uh, we offer a couple different products. Right now, we're offering the tea-free distillate and the tea-free full-spectrum crude oil. Uh, moving into Q1 of this coming year, no later than mid-January, we'll be offering some cannabinoid isolates as well. And our R&D team is working really hard to make sure that we can offer those uh, in an organic pathway as well. Uh, which, uh, which cannabinoids? Uh, just CBG and CBD for now. Uh, we're, ex- we're expecting to be able to offer... Uh, CBN, THCV, CBC in Q3 of 2021, uh, once we get our isolation equipment really dialed in for that separation. Uh, but yeah, moving into Q1, definitely the CBG and CBD. And we're really excited about the work that the hemp breeders are doing, especially over at Oregon CBD, to make sure that farmers for the 2021 year have got access to even more cannabinoid-rich varietals. Uh, I think that they've got a THCV plant in their crosshairs that was under R&D this year in their test greenhouses. Uh, but the Crawford brothers over there are always uh, working up all kinds of uh, uh, new genotypes and chemotypes for everybody to play with. And and they're always working on making those available in a form that doesn't elevate the THC because the uh, the regulations on testing in the field are just getting narrower and narrower. And it's uh, harder and harder for farmers to meet those requirements as they get near harvest time. And it seems like every state does it different too, right? Whether it's total THC or, you know, right. Delta nine or whether it's, you know, 30 days out or two days out, you know, it's just, there's such a wide variance on when you, when the state will come and test it and when they'll approve it and, you know, kind of give you the paper that this was a legal crop when it was harvested. So mm-hmm. um, I, I hear about constant innovation over there at Oregon CBD. So I'm excited to see what they come out with next year. Um, they, they've, they've really produced some, you know, industry leading genetics over the past, you know, year and a half, two years. That's right. That's right. And if we're all being honest, you know, the, the typical CBD to THC ratio in most of these hemp plants is anywhere from one to 30 to one to 50. And if we want a hemp varietal that's coming out of the field with 15% flower, uh, and it's got a one to 30 ratio, then we're looking at 0.45% THC when it comes out of the field. And so we really need to get those ratios to at least one to 50 in all of the seed lots that are coming out and ideally one to a hundred. And, uh, they're getting really close. And I think that a, a good solution, 
um, that a lot of hemp farmers are employing is tissue culture, making sure that they get a varietal that is stable at that one to 100 ratio. It produces a great terpene profile, a great yield for the farmer, and they can mass produce it with one of these tissue culture labs uh, and, and know what they're going to get out when that uh, department of ag testing person comes down to start sampling their buds and they're not sweating bullets wondering if they're going to have to till their field in. What part of Oregon are you all located? I see the gray skies in the background. Yeah. We're in Seattle up here. So the gray skies <laughs> are behind me, trust me. But uh, yeah, we're, I know uh, you must be on the west side of Oregon somewhere. Yeah, we're, we're here in Eugene. So yeah, you're right. We don't, we don't see the 300 days of sunshine like our neighbors over in Bend uh, get to be privy to. But uh, it's actually been really beautiful uh, leading up to today. We've had a lot of g- good sun uh, this fall. It's been beautiful. But yeah, the rain, the rain's coming. It's inevitable. Just like, just <laughs> well, like it was you guys. pretty clear up here last night, actually. And uh, apparently we got a solar flare the last couple of days. So we were oh, hoping okay. to see the Northern Lights. We didn't look for them, but we didn't see them up here. Yeah, sure. That's yeah. I think we're, uh, we're a little too low on the latitude to, uh, to see the Northern Lights. I noticed they were flaring up at the end of summer too. And you had to be up near uh, like sa- South Central Washington to be able yep. to catch them. You have to be lucky here. I've never actually seen them here in seattle so i'm you know i want i want to go out there and see them so badly but i think even if you did see them in seattle you'd be looking so far north it'd be kind of kind of kind of difficult sure <clears throat> but uh everybody can find lumen extracts on kush.com and it sounds like you all are making some incredible steps forward for the industry when it comes to remediation to distillate for 175 a kilo uh 150 just for remediation that's an amazing price and the fact that you all can do it while, you know, not losing too much on the yield is amazing. So hats off to you all over there, uh, Justin. It's been an amazing conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time to, to meet with us. And I, I can't wait to see how far you all go. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. It's been a pleasure um, being on the show, Chase. Great to meet you. All right. We'll talk soon. Have a good one. You too.